an important food, a healthy food, and a basic food that can be served in more than a hundred different ways. Hello and welcome to the Fat for Weight Loss Show. My name is Aaron and I am your host for today's episode. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, let me introduce myself. Firstly, I am from Australia, if you hadn't already guessed from the accent, and I run a ketogenic food blog called Fat for Weight Loss, found at fatforweightloss.com.au. And the aim of this podcast is to dig into the world of nutrition, fitness, and everything in between. I'm a nutritional therapist and an advanced sports exercise nutritional advisor. However, I'm not a doctor, so I cannot give you any medical advice. This also applies to any guests involved in this show. Please make sure you consult your doctor before making any changes to your diet or medication. You can find me on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at Fat for Weight Loss for delicious keto recipes, meal plan videos, and drool-worthy food photography. So let's get right into it. In this episode, it is my pleasure to interview Emily, who recently ran the Boston Marathon in a ketogenic state. Emily is a registered nurse in the United States who has always had a passion for running. She ran cross-country and track in college, and since then has started running marathons, and has run four in total. She ran the Boston Marathon in 2017 and 2018, and this year she ran the Boston Marathon in three hours, 4 minutes and 58 seconds, which is her current PR, and that was completely keto. Uh, She has been experimenting with keto for about a year now, and it is fascinated uh, by its application not just in running, but also in the medical field. In this episode, we talk about some of her training techniques that she used to get such a fast time, some of the supplements and nutrition she takes before, during, and maybe what a typical day of eating might look like for a runner embarking on a solid 6 days of training per week. Make sure you stick around to the end as Emily gives you some fantastic info on attempting to run your own ketogenic marathon and what it takes to pursue a goal like this for yourself. So please welcome Emily. Emily, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? Yeah, yeah, really, really good. I, um, I'm really excited to be on this podcast this morning. Well, this morning for me, I, I believe it might be nighttime for you, but um, you are uh someone who runs a lot of marathons mm-hmm. and you um have been running them in a ketogenic state uh so i'm su- i'm super excited to to ask you all of the questions because i i recently did my first keto marathon um and you know going through some of the training and and that sort of stuff and so for anyone out there who's also a runner who's looking to switch from a high carb to a low carb uh diet then this podcast is going to be for you. So can you tell us a little bit about your um, trip to New Zealand and and maybe some of the things that you did while you were there? Yeah, sure. Um, so we flew out, I flew out from Texas um, with a friend and we met a friend who'd been in Australia for four months or four weeks. And we started in Auckland and every day we would drive to a new place, spend the night in the hospital, see some stuff. But um, every morning I got up around 5.30 or 6.00 and would go for a three to six mile run around the area to just see stuff that we weren't able to see during the day or driving. So it was a great way to stay active. And I saw some really cool stuff uh, that my friends didn't get to see. Um, and Queenstown was really cool to just uh, see some of the views there. Um, but I was not low carb in New Zealand, I will say that. 
(laughs) (laughs) Sometimes traveling all bets are off, isn't it? It's like you've got to taste the food and yeah. Yeah. And actually this is kind of funny. I um, got some ketones in the mail the day before I left and I was like, well, I don't want to take the whole bag. So I like dumped them into a Ziploc and then I realized it kind of looked like drugs. (laughs) I'm not even going to bring them with me. I will get stopped on the airport, so I didn't even bring my ketones with me. I've I've, I've heard people doing the exact same thing with um like erythritol and those those uh, natural esque sweeteners, and they just look yeah. like fine white powder. And you go, yeah. that's yeah, I don't know. You can definitely buy it in the country that you go to. <laughs> yeah, I would recommend that better. <laughs> I'm go- I'm going to New Zealand at the at the start of next year, so and I'm going to Queenstown, so I'm going to have to do some runs around there is there any run or any place in particular that you really enjoyed the view or was it just sort of getting out every morning and just discovering something new um i found a trail and i don't i don't i'm not in directions i don't know where it came from but it went it seemed like it went pretty far and it would kind of go out um so you could kind of see the mountains to your right and there was like the river or whatever going to your right too um, and I just went go out three miles and back on that. Um, I imagine it went a lot further. <laughs> oh, that sounds fantastic. It, it, it's such a great place, New Zealand. Um, and yeah. cause it's so great. It's so close to Australia. We, um, tend to go over to New Zealand a lot when we don't feel like getting on a plane for 15 hours yeah. <laughs> going somewhere else. Um, and so, so can you tell us a little bit about you? So, um, you're a registered nurse in the United States. Uh, and you've been doing a lot of running. So uh, w- maybe some things that people may not know about you and, and some of the things that you've been doing recently. Um, well, so nursing, I work about 36 hours a week. So it's three 12-hour shifts. And I'm night shift currently. So um, three days a week. It, it's random every week. So it's kind of hard to stick to a specific schedule. Um, I just kind of wing it. <laughs> But um, other things, actually right now I'm injured. I have a stress fracture from the marathon that has not healed yet. So currently not running and just trying to find ways to stay in shape and sane. Yeah. Um, <laughs> been a little difficult, but I've been doing some spin classes and just lifting strength training to try and keep, keep in shape as much as I can. Whereabouts is the um the stress fracture? Is it in your one of your legs, or is it in your foot or ankle or something? Um, my uh, left foot. Yeah, it's not fun when something like that happens and you've got to sit out for a while because yeah. you feel like not only are you uh, losing fitness from something that you you know put so much time and effort into, but you're also just going mad on the couch. Yeah, <laughs> because. It's like back and forth. Like I'll have a day where I'm like, oh, I just want to like run and swim and bike and then it all hurts so I can't. And then there's days where I'm like, oh, I could just lay here all day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ah, that's yeah, that's so interesting. Okay, so um yeah, I'm sorry you've you, you got injured. That's okay. that's terrible. But I guess, you know, taking the time to to really get it healed is yeah. is gonna be the best way to move forward instead of just trying to run on it. And, yeah. And it um but you know, uh so so I wanted to ask you uh, a few questions specifically about um some of the marathons that you've done. So you've done uh four in total. Mm-hmm. Um a, a, am I correct in saying that? Is that four including your recent run as well? 
Yes. All right. Cool. So, so, so four marathons, so four bouts of really crazy running. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, uh, and, uh, and so, you know, um, as you said before, you know, you, you sort of, um, jump between night shift and, and day shift and you work those really long hours. Um, so what was the motivation for you, uh, going, keto to start with and and did that specifically apply to um like performance in in your running or was that more of for health reasons it's kind of it's a mix so it's an interesting story actually last spring when i was running boston the first time my mom came up with me and she was talking about this low carb diet and how you know it's newer it's like newer and she was doing it because she has a rare form of glaucoma and she's like it can be neuroprotective so i'm going to see if it like helps me keep my eyesight so at first i thought she was crazy but then i you know did some research um was following some people on instagram and i was like you know what like this could be cool and at first i was like i could like i'm small but i i've always wanted to be more muscular so i was like well why don't I try this diet and see if I can get leaner, like more muscle mass. Um, and then I started reading more about how it can help, you know, with uh, endurance athletes and eliminating having to take the goos during marathons because I think almost everyone struggles with the GI issues that come with the um, supplements you have to take for longer distances. It's like, that'd be great if you could run and not have to take that stuff and I had already been trying to cut sugar out because I worked at a candy store in nursing school and I was completely addicted to chocolate <laughs> and working nights does not help because I would like come off night shift and just want a cake and I would literally bake a cake at like seven in the morning and eat half of it and I'm like this is not healthy <laughs> so it almost started as a way to like get rid of sugar and then it kind of just snowballed into like well it can it's so good in other ways so I just really stuck to it after like last summer I started really getting into it more Mm, okay yeah and um and so yeah I mean it sounds like there's a a whole a whole plethora of Mm -hmm. stuff that that uh you know is it's it's sort of applicable for and so um uh, you've done you've done uh, lots of running before this, and and as you said you worked in the the um the suite department so um, do you think that uh, it was it was it hard to actually go from uh, being a high carb endurance athlete essentially uh, to to dialing down that sugar and then eventually going keto? Was that transition phase something that you were um, to, that you had to struggle through, or was it fairly um, natural? Actually, I think at first I really enjoyed the diet itself because um, I'd always been taught like you know you can't have a lot of fat and all of this stuff. So when I started being able to eat like eggs and bacon and I actually really enjoyed I felt like I wasn't restricting myself um before but still maintaining like the same weight so that part was easy um the hard part was my running really did um kind of it was hurt at first and you know this is where some of the science that I run into fails is that they only look at an athlete that's been on the keto diet for a month and you're not adapted yet so it took like a solid month to two months for me to feel like my old self on the keto diet. But then once I felt like I had adapted to it, I actually was running great and not having to like have a big breakfast before or, you know, take supplements during long runs. So 
the running part was hard because I you feel a little sluggish at first. Um, but I mean, they say in a lot of the research that I've read, like it takes, you know, you have to stick to it for a month or two before you can see the physical, like athletic benefits of it. I, I think, um, you know, for, for me, when I, when I switched to the, like, I mean, for me, it was, it was particularly, um, strange because I'd been on a ketogenic diet for a while. And then when I started actually utilizing it for, um, for, you know, running or cycling or, or whatever I was doing at the time, I found that it's a totally different ball game to just eating a ketogenic diet. You sort of have to, Make sure you're getting enough fat, and you know, are, are there any are, are there any tricks or like um, things that you found that going from just a regular keto diet to actually running and using a ketogenic diet was there anything that you found that helped push you in the in the right direction? Um, so I speak? used a lot of the perfect keto supplements, and just uh, there was one girl on Instagram. She's like a triathlete. Um, I don't know the name, her name off the top of my head, but I actually messaged her at one point and was like, what do you take during races? Like, what do you do? And she kind of um, led me in the direction of Generation You Can, which I can get into later. So I use, use that sometimes. But like day to day, I found like having like bulletproof coffee with ketones before every run would really help versus just going in like a fasted state or straight out you know get out and run which is what i used to do but right, i would kind okay. of sit have my coffee have my ketones and that seemed to help a little bit and uh, i also they oh, have like a perfect keto perform that i would use before like workouts like harder workouts too oh, okay i haven't actually tried their their perform section is that so the perform has some of their base exogenous ketones in it is that correct i think so and then it has mct oil and um some beasts CAAs, which are supposed to be like muscle sparing during workouts or something. I don't know quite the science behind it. Mm. It's like a mix of stuff and maybe some electrolytes. Um, yeah, right. It's not my favorite flavor, but <laughs> it seemed it seemed to work. So I had I bought a little bit for it, but I would only use that once or twice a week for like the tough workouts. Um, not every day. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, so I was going to ask you as well, uh, speaking of tough workouts, <laughs> um, you ran the Boston marathon in three hours and four minutes and 58 seconds to be exactly precise, but that's a three hour marathon. That's crazy. Yeah, I, so I have to ask you what you, what was your training schedule like? Um, so I actually use the Hanson's marathon method, which I had heard about a lot and it was my first time really, um, applying it. So it was, Six days a week, one day off, and um, you had a long run every other week. It's kind of a non-traditional marathon training plan. So a long run every other week, and it was anywhere from like 10 to 16 miles, but you could do a 20-miler. And then during the week, you had one speed workout and one tempo, and then later on a strength and a tempo. So you were doing two workouts a week that were very hard and actually usually ended up being eight to 12 miles themselves. So it was more mileage during the week than just doing like some mile during the week and then a long run every week. Um, so it was definitely difficult. And um, I hadn't done that many workouts since like college when I was an athlete in college. So it was 
hard to get used to at first. And, and how did like, you know, doing, doing six days a week, how did that work around, um, having 12 hour shifts? Was there, was there some days where you just felt totally flat and you'd run and come back and you go, Oh my gosh. (laughs) So my schedule, like I said, sometimes I work three in a row and sometimes you'll have one night, a night off, two nights on. And a lot of times it would just every week I'd look at the workouts I had to do and I'd look at when I'd work and I would just manipulate it. So I never had a workout in between shifts. And usually my off day would be in between shifts too. But um, a lot of times if I work three nights in a row, so the first day before I went in for my shift, I'd do a hard workout, take a nap, go to work, <laughs> come home, sleep, um, take that day off. Then the next day I still have a third shift to go to. I would get up run like six miles maybe and go to work and honestly that six miles usually was like nine minute pace which I'm I was like I ran the marathon around seven minute pace for perspective so it was usually pretty slow for what I'm used to running and felt like crap but I just knew like you know it's in the bank money in the bank (laughs) and then I was tired I'm pretty sure all I did was work eat sleep and run for three months my boyfriend probably thought I was the most boring person (laughs) (laughs) but um and then I have a lot of days off too so I try to do my long runs like on my day off and my other hard workout on a day off but I mean sometimes I come out get off work at 7 30 sleep till 1 p.m get up and do a hard workout and it just it was what it was um definitely not something I could maintain like all year round but Boston was really important to me and I was like I'm gonna do this (laughs) Yeah, yeah. What what was there anything that was really significant about the Boston Marathon for you? Um, I just think it's this hyped up thing, especially in America. And I'd gone the year before, and I'd been like sub three hours had been my goal, and I did not hit that. I had kind of a crappy race, but it was still a good experience. So it was kind of like, well, this year I just want to do it, and you know, mentally know I can hold a pace for that long, and then. You know, the weather came, which is a whole other aspect. Um, but it was just about getting that under three hours was in my head. And I just really wanted to do it and train hard for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you trained super hard for it. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I, I sort of want to dig into the, the specific training as well. Like, so mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not too familiar with the Hanson uh, method, but uh, in terms of the speed workouts, they the, uh, were, were you doing intervals with those speed workouts? Yeah, yeah, I can go into it a little more. So the speed workouts for the first half, you did speed. So it's it literally changed every week. And like the first week, it was a quarter mile intervals. It was always like an interval, and then you do like half mile intervals, and then twelve hundred meters, sixteen hundred meters, and then I think the longest speed was three by mile, and you. <laughs> You would only have about a quarter mile to a half mile in between reps, and it was fast. Like, I think sometimes I'd be, like, hitting six flat pace for the intervals. Wow. About, um, <laughs> I'm not a speed person. I hated track. I was always more cross-country. So that was, that was, like, my least favorite workouts, I think. Um, and then it transitioned into strength. So strength workouts were longer anywhere from a mile to three miles long and they were done 10 minutes faster than your goal uh, marathon pace so it would be like for instance three by two mile with a half mile in between and then you're running that at like I think it was like 640 pace um, 
Uh, and always with like a one to three mile warm up and cool down. Yeah. And then always you had a tempo every week and they started out at six miles and ended at 10. Um, and those were always run at your goal marathon pace, which mine was 650. Um, and I had never done tempos that long. So when I hit like the 10 mile tempo, it was like, oh, felt like forever. But at the same time, you're like, well, I have to run 16 more miles at this pace on race day. So it definitely, I liked it because it prepared me mentally. Um, but it was a lot of mileage and it was pretty hard. Yeah. I mean, and, and at those speeds too, that's, that's yeah. <laughs> for me, like, I don't know what miles I was running, but it was definitely not that fast. I think I came in like at four, four hours and. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie right now. I don't think I'm like, how did I even do that? <laughs> even that like, I <laughs> well, uh, it, it sounds like the training really set you up in the, in the right direction. And, um, and yeah, so the, the marathons that you did prior to this, were you running them at around the same pace or were they slower and then you've eventually got faster? Is that, is that sort of how it works? Well, I mean, I think usually people start out slower and, um, get faster. And I, I did kind of, so, but I ran in college, so I was kind of always like an overachiever with goal times. So I, um, signed up for the Baltimore marathon, which is in Maryland, um, in the U S and, I trained from the start saying I want to qualify for Boston. So I had to run like a three thirty, um, and that marathon, I actually ran a three ten, um, qualified for Boston and it's a smaller marathon. And I actually got like third overall female somehow, <laughs> which was a total surprise. Um, Whoa. but it's small. It's like, you don't get any, there's no cash prizes or anything. Um, so it's not like a huge marathon, but I qualified. Then I was injured. <laughs> It's a theme in my life and um, didn't run for six months and then came back uh, and ran Boston in 2017, uh, was going for under three hours and ran about 318. It was just, I don't think I was in the shape for it. And it was kind of a hot year. And Boston's also just a cool experience. So I think it, that race, I was just like taking it in and trying to have a good time. Um, my other marathon I ran was Athens Marathon. I was going to Greece, and I saw that the marathon was the same weekend I flew in. And I was like, well, why not? <laughs> but I was coming off my injury from my first marathon, so I actually was not in shape, hadn't run more than 16 miles in months. Um, so I just kind of jog-walked that one, um, and that was just for fun. And I did not know Greece was so hilly because um, – I just felt like I was going up the whole time. And then the last four miles, I was just like dying. <laughs> but it was still really cool. It ended in like the very famous stadium. So that was just a cool experience. And then Boston, the second time was my fourth marathon. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, so, um, you've, you've been pretty consistent with those times. So that's amazing. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so, 
so for people, you know, interested in doing a, a ketogenic marathon of their own, um, what was the nutrition that you sort of uh, used to not only uh, during or like before the runs and during the runs, but what were the meals around your days and what did that look like? Were you eating a lot of protein or were you eating a lot of uh, fats or was it a, a mix of both or was, that, was there anything in particular that you were aiming for? Um, I think as occasionally I would try to track the macros, but I never was consistent. I honestly kind of just listened to my body and if I was hungry, I ate and I tried to primarily keep the carbs low, but I was probably eating between 20 to 40 carbs. I'd guesstimate just because I was so active. I knew I could go over 20. Um, and I did a lot of protein because I knew, you know, you're, going through muscle with those workouts and um that I mean a lot of what I ate was like eggs avocado um bacon sausage I'd make um you have I think I have the recipe from you it's like the um mug bread with like coconut flour or something oh yeah yeah, yeah. The, inst- the instant bread yeah and I would make that and I would cut it in half oh awesome fry it in a pan with butter and put like an egg sausage avocado cheese and it would be like a breakfast sandwich and that was like i had a lot it was so good uh now that i'm not running i don't eat that as much but um i almost i ate a whole avocado a day that was like my goal um because there's you have to really worry about your electrolytes on keto but particularly when you're running as much as i was so um, really focusing on getting my, I like put salt on everything. <laughs> I took, um, you know, electrolyte tablets kind of thing. Cause that was really important and drank more water than I've ever drank in my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You sort of go through that stage where because you're glycogen, yeah. low, you just need so much water all the time. Um, and then bulletproof coffee is like, I just can't live without coffee cause I'm a nurse. So <laughs> lots of like collagen and ketones and um mct oil in my coffee oh okay so so um uh, the do you like the chocolate flavored collagen i know that perfect keto do that yeah. one and it, it's so delicious <laughs> i know i'm almost like can't not have it in my coffee now it's kind of bad it's an expensive habit <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, it does get a little bit expensive. Um, but yeah, no, okay. So, so if you were to have a coffee before your run, you would be putting um, what in it? Um, I usually do. I actually bought like a a milk foamer because I was like so into my coffee this winter, and I would foam some almond milk. Um, I tried macadamia milk because I like that the best, but it doesn't foam up at all. Um, but the almond milk does. So I do like unsweetened almond milk some MCT oil, some ketones, and then um, occasionally collagen if I'm having coffee like after the workout. Um, I try not to do too much protein before, mainly like fat and ketones before because that's, I guess, where you get all the energy from. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's that's so interesting. Um, so so I I didn't use any ketones on my uh, training or or in my run, which is probably why I got a, such a slow time. So, <laughs> Maybe uh, I mean honestly, I don't know if they work or not, but I think at this point I'm so just used to having the flavor and like worried if I weren't to use them, they just do. 
Yeah, um, I, I mean, like, I, I think it's interesting because your body takes a long time to actually convert um, body fat into energy, right? And so, you know, if you're if you're running for a long time, your glycogen levels are very low, and you eventually, you know, kick over into using those ketones. But the the distance from, uh, like, I mean, MCT oil is 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 pretty fast acting, but the distance between burning your actual body fat and using that as energy, if you're running in a, a relatively high heart rate zone, can take quite a while. So so potentially, like those ketones are that really good mix between. Um, uh, you know, having to tap into too much body fat and and having something that's pretty readily available. Yeah, and that's kind of, it made sense to me. So I was like, it makes sense that they would work, so I'm going to do it before I run. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's great. That's awesome. Um, and so uh, did you take anything uh, with you when you went on those long runs? Would you, would you take, like, bottles specifically with electrolytes in them or did you not worry about that too much? Actually, so... To really test if I was fat adapted, I went on a 20-mile run um, at one point, and I just took some stuff before, the same thing I've been saying, some of the Perfect Keto um, Perform, which is like the mix we mentioned earlier, and I just went out. Um, it was very rainy that day, so I didn't worry about water, <laughs> um, of course. I feel like it was foreshadowing for the marathon to come, but... Um, <laughs> I remember calling my mom after that 20-mile run and be like, oh, my gosh, it was so cold and rainy. Like, as long as the marathon's not cold and rainy, I'll be fine. <laughs> but side note, anyway, um, I actually ran all 20 miles at around 7.30 pace, um, 7.45 pace with no supplements, no water, um, and felt fine. And I actually, my last two miles were my fastest miles, so... It's not like I like teetered off or anything. Um, so I ran, yeah. And um, prior to that, I would usually run with um, maybe some like have a water stop planned out and then take like two or three goos with me. Um, so to run 20 miles with absolutely nothing was like, even though I knew that was the goal, like it surprised me um, and kind of showed me I was ready for the marathon but uh other long runs i would actually use take the generation you can with me which that's an interesting that's like a whole nother science but it basically was developed for a rare disease but what it is is it's a super starch but it is keto friendly because it's so slow release that it never spikes your blood sugar so it's a way for your body to tap into a i don't even know if it's glucose but into a source that's not ketones or body fat while you're exercising um, and it's slow release so it won't give you like the GI upset or some of the stuff that comes with the sugar goose and um, it works for keto because you, it's burned off by the time um, you're done running essentially so you're still in the ketogenic state so I actually use that on other long runs just to test and then I use that during the marathon. Um, just because at the pace I was running the marathon, it's very hard to stay, like you said, tap into your fat stores for three hours going at that fast of a pace. So you kind of need something, but you obviously don't want that to be sugar because that'll kick you out of the ketogenic state. So I used, um, it's called You Can 
Generation New Can Super Starch, and it's it's got a whole story behind it. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. So. Okay. So so you were using that throughout the throughout the marathon that you just previously ran. Yeah. And but I didn't use it daily or anything. It was strictly for I tested it out on two long runs and then used it during the marathon. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And people like um, Meb who won. I think you might know Matt. He won Boston like in 2014, I think, oh, or right. something. And he uses some of the um, pro runners use it, even those that aren't like necessarily ketogenic. Ah, oh, that's interesting. Okay, because yeah, I mean, like, so uh, Yucatan, it, the the super starch. It's basic. I'm pretty sure it's. Uh, I think it's it like might corn be corns. Yeah, and so it's like it, processed to death, so that it does something different. Uh, it's processed in a different way. So instead of, uh, instead of it being, um, you know, I'm not sure what the, the normal process of converting, uh, corn into like high, uh, high fructose corn syrup is, but it's, it's not that pathway. <laughs> it's basically yeah, it's processed in a way that's sort of like, um, you know, so, so that when you're ingesting it, it doesn't have a, uh, a high GI value, if that makes sense. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. sugar is like a GI value of, of 90 or 80 or whatever it is. This is pretty close to zero. So it's almost yeah. like you were, you were eating fat, but it is a um, carbohydrate source. So mm-hmm. that's really interesting. And, and Ben Greenfield used that a lot um, when he was doing his uh, ketogenic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I might have heard it from some of his stuff too. Mm, yeah, he's a he's a massive component of it, and um and you know I think uh, uh Steve Finney uses them as well, Doctor Steve Finney, who's the the um him and Jeff Volick are the guys who have done the uh, the art and science of low low carb performance. I don't know whether you've ever read that book, but for me that was like oh oh actually I think I read it at work one night when I was training, like one of the rare nights I wasn't running around so, and my patients were actually sleeping. Um, I read that book. Oh wow, that's awesome! Yeah, I, I think I read it in an airport <laughs> coming home from from Europe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a it's a fantastic book. Okay, so so um for yeah for anyone who's interested in the the stuff that we've mentioned in this podcast, it'll be in the show notes. Um, mm. you could like super starch is so hard to get here in Australia. It ends up costing like close to a hundred and twenty dollars. No, hundred and twenty dollars. Like. One of the things. Oh, no. I, I, I don't know how expensive um, it is in the US, but it's definitely it's expensive here. Expensive, but it's not quite that expensive. But um, I actually got a huge tub at Boston, at the Boston Expo for cheaper because they have everything discounted there. But like, I, it'll take me like years to go through. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. And, and how did you carry that with you? Were you carrying that with you mixed with water, or oh, was it just something that you? So I need to give credit to. Um, it's just this girl, I I can give her, um, like, Instagram handle. It's just N-I underscore perk. Uh, her name's Nicole. I just happen to be following her. And, you know, she's the one who actually told me, like, I use Generation You Can for my triathlons and marathons. And she was like, and I was like, well, it doesn't come in, like, packets. How do you carry it with you? And she said you take a, like, snack bag, like the Ziploc bags. And she just mix it. She's like, I mix it with a little water till it becomes a goo. And I put it in um, my pocket. And so that's what I did like that morning. And we actually rented an Airbnb in Boston. And I was like in the kitchen. It was like a shared Airbnb. And I'm like in the kitchen mixing up like this you can super starch into the perfect consistency. And like shoving them into my shorts. 
that I was going to write, um, <laughs> along with electrolyte pills, which are was super important, which ended up from the rain melting, and I never got my electrolyte pill. Because, <laughs> like, by the first time I planned to take them, I reached my pocket, and they were disintegrated. Oh, like, no. <laughs> but, um, you can super start child up. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you kind of just have to make it yourself. Right. Okay. So, so for anyone out there, then uh, you know those Ziploc bags, you can totally um, put the the um, gel in the bottom and then just uh, rip open one of the corners with your teeth as you. Yeah, go. with my teeth. Yep, that's what I did. And I just, yeah, I think people were. I mean, some people were like, "What is this girl doing?" But I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what is a savage doing? That's not a goo gel. What is this? <laughs> being perfect for you because during this marathon everyone was talking about their hands being frozen from the weather and um they couldn't open their goose which are like foil and this was perfect so i was like i don't even have to use my hands really <laughs> like <laughs> other than pulling them out of the pockets so it actually worked out using your teeth <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. That's so good. Okay, so we've probably bored everyone to death by talking about running so much now. Or unless we've we've just like made people some really really uh, strong Emily fans, you know. So <laughs> it's uh, it's going to go one way or the other. So uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the um, the applications that you've seen the ketogenic diet work in your medical professional. So so you said you're a registered nurse, but in in the, in the actual like medical system. I don't think there's much uh, going for things like low carb diets or, or ketogenic diet. Is 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 that something that you've kind of seen? Yeah. So I actually have never been able to apply it. I'm in an ICU, so an intensive care setting. So really, I'll never get to apply it in that kind of setting because that's a lot of the people. Um, it's like people who would have needed to apply it previously, um, but. Uh, I've told, you know, it is definitely kind of taboo in my field. I'll tell people, you know, I'm, I'm on the ketogenic diet and people like, you know, I feel like are pretty judgmental, especially if they don't really know if they're just listening to the mainstream kind of negative stuff about it. Um, so I've definitely had people probably think I'm crazy and be like, you need carbs and if I'm ever feeling bad, they're like, it's because you're not eating enough carbs, even though I know that I feel way better on ketogenic than I felt in my entire life. And um, side note, I'm a celiac. I have celiac disease, so I can't have gluten anyway. And um, this has been the easiest way to stay gluten-free because I literally just, like, I wouldn't want to eat anything that had gluten in it anyway because it has a lot of carbs usually. So um, it's been, I feel better on it. But I get a lot of my information from Ryan Laurie, L-O-W-E-R-Y. He does research on it in Florida, and they put out a book called The Ketogenic Bible, which is literally like a kind of textbook you would get in like college. But it's the most interesting book I've ever read. Um, and it talks about, you know, the ketogenic diet, the science behind it, it sports application recipes but then it goes into kind of some of the research that's been coming out with how it can like obviously people have had it like reverse their type 2 diabetes and lose weight but they're also finding if you do like fasting with the ketogenic diet um it can not reverse cancer but kind of starve cancer cells because cancer cells actually feed off of glucose 
So when you're eating, obviously, high-sugar, high-carb diet, you're actually technically feeding cancer. Um, And so they have found tumors to shrink on kind of a fasted ketogenic diet. And I find that I used to work on an oncology ICU unit um, at actually Johns Hopkins. I'm just going to name drop that for a second. Um, um, You know, I saw a lot of cancer and this was before I knew about the ketogenic diet. So having seen kind of what cancer can do to the body and the surgeries people have to go through, um, I'm like, well, if we could just apply this diet and it could, you know, take the place of some of these crazy surgeries, that'd be, in my mind, amazing. And I would, like, love to be a part of that <laughs> if I ever could be. But, um, yeah, so it can increase cancer. It's been shown, obviously, to be neuroprotective help people with epilepsy. Um, They're talking about its role in Alzheimer's disease and all that kind of stuff that I just find fascinating. Um, And yeah, like I honestly, my dream job would be like to just be a nurse working with uh, other people on like, I don't know, either in a office, doctor's office kind of implementing um, the ketogenic diet to help people or even just doing studies and studying like it's uh role but i just think it's very interesting well it's 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 interesting you say about the the um ketogenic diet and its application to cancer as well and mm-hmm. um you know uh, obviously if you're dealing with a very um you know advanced medical stage cancer then definitely be following your doctor's advice and i think mm-hmm. you should follow your doctor's advice full stop yes, anyway but yeah. the 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 um it's it's interesting as well because you have to do a lot of fasting around um treatments for uh chemotherapy and all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff and so if you're fat adapted <clears throat> it's not as much of a stress to your body yeah. to actually you know go through that and uh, and i think a lot of people go through a lot of stress just not being able to eat for eight to 12 hours um and so the application in in fasting for medical um, procedures is, is actually really interesting. As yeah. Well. Um, I, but it's also kind of funny because in the hospital, you know, when a lot of patients are on like clear liquid diets and they're like, what can I eat? And I'm like, well, you can have jello, you can have juice, you can have soda and water. And I'm thinking like, now that I know so much about, you know, carbs and their not so great effects sometimes I'm like, Oh, we're literally feeding our patients like straight sugar. <laughs> like, sometimes it kills me inside but i mean that's gonna be a long time before that kind of culture would change (laughs) yeah yeah and i think it you know it took a long time to get to that stage so it's probably Mm -hmm. gonna take a little while to actually back back away from that as well yeah it's uh it's so interesting um and it's really interesting you work for in john as well um there's a lot of research yeah and it was um it was a very good experience and a good place to learn and um start out nursing and you get to see crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah. I was actually reading a study um, last week because I, I include like <clears throat> medical studies in the weekly emails that I send out. So I, I send out, here's, here's the latest recipes. Oh, and by the way, here's the latest medical research on the ketogenic diet. <laughs> and um, I just like giving that that information to people. But I, but I read um, for me, um, uh, I saw that if you're in a ketogenic diet, you should probably let um, surgeons know because it has an effect on the amount of um, uh-huh. anesthesia that oh, they like. The amount of that makes sense. Um, 
because it also affects how quickly you can like get intoxicated as well. So I imagine they would have to use less anesthesia. Yeah. Um, Cause I'm not going to lie. Since I've gone, I've always been a quote unquote lightweight. Um, but like, I'll have like, I'm not, I still drink a little just because I'm, I'm younger and I enjoy like, I want to live a low carb life, but I'm also not going to sacrifice, you know, going out with friends or going to dinner and stuff either. So um, I'll have a glass of wine or I drink a lot of the Trulies because they're, they still have sugar, but they're like two grams carbs per can. And like lately I'll have literally one or two Trulies and I'm like, oh my gosh, (laughs) I need to eat something or something because like this is (laughs) too much. And um, it's kind of crazy. It is kind of crazy because like really two, like two beers to most people is like nothing. Um, and I was like, oh man, like, yeah, I should have just had one. <laughs> it's it's interesting, like, because I guess there's there's a lot of um, uh, you know, processing that's mm-hmm. going on with your yeah. liver trying to convert the uh, you know the fats into into energy. So that's already backed up, and then when alcohol comes in, your liver's like, okay, I need to process the alcohol first, <laughs> and and uh, yeah, so it's it's really interesting. I, I I'm not I'm not terribly sure how that works either, but yeah, I'm 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 the same. Like I'll I'll, I'll still have a glass of wine if I go out, or I'm not I'm not someone who's um, the, mm. the strictest of ketos because I understand how things work in my body and I can sort of yeah. move those around a little bit. And I think listening to your body and not following like a set amount of macros is the best way um, for it to be sustainable. Would you agree with that? Like, I don't know if counting macros is your thing, but. No. And every, honestly, I'll be like, you know, I might gain a little weight here and I'll be like, oh, I'm going to count my macros and calories and like lose five pounds. It never works. For a week, I'll do it. You know what? I'm always like hungry <laughs> at the end of the day, just knowing like, and I think if I just eat how I feel, it's better for me and I probably end up eating the exact same anyway. So I just like agree. I agree doing what you feel and like if you're on, like when I went on vacation, I stayed as low carb as I could, but um, I also wasn't like trying to stay keto either. Cause like, I also believe in like living life and um, I was very strict keto going to the marathon. Cause I didn't want to mess with that. But when I'm not actually marathon training, I'll stay keto like 99% of the time. But if there's a weekend and we're all going out to eat at this place and there's really not options, I don't sweat it either. Yeah. I, I think that's a good, a good way to go about it. And I think, you know, anyone who's strictly trying to lose weight on the ketogenic diet, they should be following either something like a, a, a meal plan or something that's sort of like, you know, designated for them. And, and then after that, you sort of need to learn how to actually incorporate that back into your life. And so that, the meal plans are great to start with, but ultimately you just sort of need to be listening to your body. Um, and yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, that's so, it's good to hear because there are a lot of people out there who diligently count their macros every single day. And I, and, and I go, I don't think I could do that. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, some people need to, and it's, it's, it works for some people, but I mean, um, I just know it's not good for me mentally. And, um, it just doesn't, it doesn't happen. And then you're like at a restaurant and you're like, oh, well, how many carbs do I think this is in this burger? You know, and it just becomes more stressful to me and I, I just stop doing it. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. So, uh, like, it, it's been so awesome to dig into some of these big questions. Um, but I like to end the podcast on a few quick questions. Yeah. Uh, because 
you know, these quick questions, a little bit of rapid fire, something that's a little bit, uh, well, not really rapid fire. I'm going to dig into some of them. That's fine. (laughs) Um, But let's start off with what's your favorite keto food? Oh, no, this is a hard one. I mean, I'm going to have to say bulletproof coffee because I'm just a coffee addict and I love coffee. (laughs) <laughs> so so um the bulletproof coffee that you usually have you know you, we talked about it before you add a few things but in, but when you when you have uh, is it just almond milk and coffee and do you add things like butter or or mct oil outside of that or is it mostly just the, the- i change it up but um i'll just tell you my go-to right now is i actually bought like a, a way to make cold brew at home and so it's actually really easy you can get on amazon and i just make cold brew i put it the coffee in a blender i actually use the macadamia nut milk um which i find to be a little thicker and creamier so i'll do like a cup of coffee a cup of macadamia nut milk um and then just some um, chocolate collagen <laughs> And maybe some tea oil if I really need like the calories or the fat. Um, and that's, and I'll blend it up and it's add some ice and it's like the perfect cold coffee drink. Yeah, it is winter. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're having, I'm having straight blacks at the moment <laughs> <laughs> or long blacks, whatever it is. Um, Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, like for anyone who wants the the, the ghetto version of making cold brew, you can actually get a, you know, a plastic bottle or a wine bottle or whatever it is that you've got. Um, generally, glass is probably better. But you can fill that with hot water and then you put the coffee into the bottle and let it sit in the fridge for 12 hours or 24 hours or overnight or whatever it is. And then in the morning, you just use a strainer to oh, remove the, the ground coffee from it. And, um, yeah, that's essentially what this thing is. They only charge me probably $15 more than it cost that way. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was doing it uh, when I was in Japan a little while ago, and uh, and I thought, wow, this is a this is a really good idea. I wonder if anyone's thought of this. And yes, they yeah. have, and yes, they charge. Yeah, a lot of <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, and so so, what's your favorite? Uh, I guess what's your favorite type of run? Uh, um, I guess just a long. I mean, I just like the long runs. Um like a nice long run at like a steady pace that's like hard, but not, you know, trying to hit a specific pace. That's my favorite. And you just get into the zone and you just, you know, get all the nice endorphins <laughs> that come with it. Yeah. Yeah. Jen, for, for me, that those endorphins come with a really quick ah. short run, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, the, the long run, definitely. I yeah. would agree with that too. Um, and in contrast to your favorite food, what is your least favorite keto food? Um, I don't know. I really like will eat anything. <laughs> um, I guess I guess it's not really a keto food, but maybe gluten. I mean, I don't like gluten at all. It doesn't do well with me. <laughs> um, I I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Honestly, like I said, I feel more satisfied eating keto than I've ever felt in my life. Um, well, that's awesome. Um, so in, in contrast to your favorite ex, oh, sorry, your favorite run, what is your least favorite type of run? Uh, well, workouts aren't my favorite because I always get super anxious before. Cause I'm like, will I hit my times? Will I feel bad? Like, what if I can't do it? Which is just me being like, you know, stupid. <laughs> but, um, I think speed workouts, I just don't enjoy going all out for a short period of time. Like, 
I've always said I'd rather run a marathon than a 5k because I'd rather run steady for a long time than really fast for a short time. It's uh, it's interesting because the paces that you were telling me about before, I can't <laughs> even run a 5k at. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know it's, it kind of sounds silly, but <laughs> well, I wouldn't be like right now that or seven minute pace would be really fast for me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And, and, and running a 5k, like, you, you know, the difference between it's not just about running a 5k at marathon pace, it's running a 5k at your absolute max. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, and I just never enjoyed that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's some people out there who can just really leave it all out there. But marathons, I think it, it, there's a big mental component to running a marathon. It is. Um, and I feel like just um, – Knowing that you've run a marathon, whether you run it fast, slow, walk some of it, just knowing you did that is like such a big accomplishment. Um, I don't know. I just, you know, you can't, no one can take that from you. And, you know, it's so hard and not everyone's done it. So I just, I I really enjoy that feeling kind of. Yeah. And I guess as well, um, it's something to say that you've done something for yourself because when you're when you're running those fast short runs, you're very focused on the time, and you're very focused on if you're going to or if it's a race, or if you came if you placed in a particular area in the top ten or whatever it is. And so when you start to run a marathon, it's really quite personal, and you start delving into the things that work for you and some of the things that, you know, like really you're really proud of. And so when you finish that marathon, um, all of the training and everything that led up to that you're really, really proud of um, because you did it for yourself, not necessarily for a, um, a particular standing point. Yeah. Um, so outside of prescription medication, are you currently taking any supplements? Um, I mean, I guess collagen counts. <laughs> um, not really. Um, I like, I'll start telling myself I'm going to do that and then I never stick with it. Um, and I don't know, but I almost feel like nurses are the worst people for that kind of thing because we take care of everyone and we're like, you should take your meds. But then, like, I don't even take, like, the medicine I'm supposed to be taking. <laughs> um, so I don't take anything, really. I mean, collagen, I, it has so – I'm sure the collagen from Perfect Keto has some stuff in it, but that's about it. And then um, occasionally I'll take, like, an electrolyte tablet if I feel like I'm just not getting enough in my food. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, interesting. Yeah. You, you must be getting a, a lot of really great nutrients from your food, which is, which is really awesome. And I think it's the best way to actually do it. it <laughs> so is, I guess it's really yeah. a trick question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you're eating right, you shouldn't need them technically. <laughs> yeah. In theory. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, do you have any books, um, you know, you mentioned the keto Bible before, but do you have any books that have recently inspired you, whether they're ketogenic related or not, that's totally fine. Yes, and um, oh man, I can't remember the name of it right now. But a good friend of mine from Baltimore, he, uh, I was kind of having like a mental breakdown before Boston. Like, I don't know if I can do this, and you know, training. It's a long program, and I was just tired. I was tired. I was mentally tired. And he said, and I was just scared of failing. And I was so scared of failing that I was afraid that I would not purposely fail, but like, I. It's hard to explain and. I think more runners would get this. It's just like, you're so afraid of failing that you don't want to give up, but you're afraid you'll, it's just like this catch 22. And, um, he recommended this book. Um, and it's basically all these stories of athletes 
um, and all kinds of stories of them kind of like pushing through and mentally digging in and it'll be kind of like an anecdotal anecdotal story and then kind of the science behind it too and like the psychology of running and the mental aspect of it and honestly that helped me so much during this during Boston particularly in that weather um and I don't think I would have had the same race had I not talked to my friend and had I not read that book to be honest I wish I remembered the name I'm like gonna go run and try and find it oh it's called how here it's right on top It's How Bad Do You Want It? Mind Over Muscle. Uh, Mastering the Psychology of Mind Over Muscle. It's by Matt Fitzgerald. And it was a game changer for me in Boston. Um, So I'm not getting paid to say any of that. (laughs) I I interviewed um, Zach Bitter a a few weeks ago, and that was his book. Yeah, I think it's pretty well well known, but it helped me. And I needed to hear a lot of that stuff uh, going into the race. Damn, okay, I need to read this book now. <laughs> this isn't just a coincidence. This is uh, this is something that has to be done. Um, and so I, I was a musician for a long time, um, and so I really, really like hearing people's music taste. <laughs> um, so I don't know whether you've been listening to any music recently or, you know, something that you always go back to. Is there something that sort of like really kicks you into gear and do you listen to music while you run? Okay, I'm so excited for this question, actually. Um <laughs> I do listen to music when I run. I did not in college because I ran with a team, but now I run by myself a lot um, with some pepper spray bracelet. Just kidding. Um, um, But um, I listen to just a lot of, I would say, um, more alternative kind of like like Mumford and Sons style. um, I don't know. I guess you could say hipster music. Um, But anything that has a good, kind of pace i did a lot of like 90s alternative during some of my workouts this past um winter (laughs) like throwbacks and but if it's not a um one where i have to concentrate on pace i love listening to podcasts and i'm just gonna say small town murder and my favorite murder podcast i love listening to them when i run i just like will be running down the road like laughing because they're like comedy murder podcasts which makes me sound terrible but I love listening to them on runs. I'm like so bummed that I'm not running right now because I haven't listened to them. Oh, that's awesome. So, so my my partner, she um she listens to like crime and murder <laughs> podcasts before she goes to bed. Like <laughs> as it's like to, uses it to go to sleep, and I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Like I think. Part of the reason I got like the little pepper spray bracelets, like one, I'm a, a female running alone in the middle of nowhere, but also I was like, oh my God, I'm going to get murdered. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll be on this podcast. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I live in a small town and <laughs> it's called small town murder. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, like uh, for, I, um, I went for a long time with, with not listening to music. Um, especially in the hard efforts because those hard efforts, um, I found the music would sort of like, I'd try and like either run or pedal in time with the music and it would just really put me off. And I was like, you're not, you know what? And I'd end up like throwing the earphones <laughs> into my back yeah. pocket or something. I'm like, that's it. I'm frustrated. No yeah. way. But, but I agree um, with that. I am um, half the time on workouts. I don't even know what I'm listening to probably, but I do not race with music. Um, especially Boston because you have the great spectators and I think you're missing out on the experience during a race if you 
listen to music personally. <laughs> and uh, the the Gold Coast Marathon here in Australia, it's actually uh, not allowed to listen to music because because of the uh, you know if, the, if oh, there's yeah. someone that needs to come through or if there's motorbikes coming past logistically. If yeah, well, technically you're not supposed to in any marathons here either, but they don't enforce it unless I think if you're trying to win prize money, they will enforce it. But I mean. That's not most people. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, so, all right. So um, I have one big ending question and I guess it's more of advice really, um, but but I think you're very, very suited to answering this question. What would you tell someone transitioning from a high-carb endurance marathon running style into a low-carb ketogenic style and uh, and then ultimately what wouldn't you tell them um i think i would just say like in don't do it when you're starting your marathon training cycle or your 5k training cycle do it a few months ahead of time and just be patient with yourself like don't look at your watch don't look at oh i'm running so much slower than i usually do or if you do another kind of athlete biking or whatever just give it time like stick to it give it time and you know you're gonna feel bad at first but I promise you it's worth it and um yeah don't expect to be running a PR like a personal best like the first week of the keto diet or even the first month or two like just to give it time and <laughs> yeah I mean like uh, I, that that's great advice you know and I think that um a lot of people do get really frustrated when they hit that certain point where they, they've run out of all of, like, you know, the first week or two, they feel really great because they're still probably burning <laughs> some of the glycogen from uh, just the offset of the two weeks before. And, and so they hit this wall. I don't know whether you, whether you hit that wall where you're like, oh, I, I literally cannot run faster than like 10 minutes per mile or whatever it is. How do you sort of like push through that mentally to be able to say, no, it's okay, I, I'm, I'm doing this. Yeah, for a purpose, I need to go out there and actually, you know, do this properly. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just, you know, if you have to leave the watch at home or just run by feel, like I'm going to run, maybe instead of running six miles, say I'm going to run for 40 minutes, whatever that pace is. Um, And I'm just one of those people that if I set my mind to it, I'm going to do it because I feel really guilty if I don't. so I don't know if that's a healthy thing or not, but basically if I tell myself I'm going to go run six miles today, I'm going to run six miles because I know at the end of the day, I'll feel better if I do it than if I don't. And even if it's felt the worst or it was slower than I usually run, I'm still happy I did it. It's still, um, it's still something and something my, um, good friend who's a runner is just like, you know, something's better than nothing. Two miles is better than no miles. Um, Mm, yeah that's that that is good advice as well and it's something that you can you can tell yourself it's not uh <laughs> like i mean when you wake up in the morning and you go to strap your shoes on you're yeah. like i could just be in bed still i really <laughs> could just not be doing this but i think you really need to to understand that as soon as you get out there everything becomes okay and if it's not yeah, okay and, then and it's okay i mean i did cut some run short or took took an extra day off here and there because sometimes you're foot hurts or something hurts and you're just like you know what today it's okay if I don't get out the door like it's not going to kill me either I just I don't want to get into the habit of doing that kind of yeah yeah and I think uh, when you have such consistent training you can sort of lean on that training every now and then to to you know utilize 
you know, being able to recover or whatever it is. Um, so I have, I have one other quick question. Do you think a two hour marathon is possible by anyone in, in the world today? I mean, yeah, I guess so. Um, I think it'll happen. I think, I mean, people just keep getting in faster and faster and I, I just don't see that ever stopping, but it does kind of boggle my mind that people can still be getting faster. Um, but that was like just an American record broken in the 5K this past weekend. So, I mean, I don't know. Really? I think it'll happen. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. I'll have to check that out. Well, it's been it's been so great talking to you, Emily. I, I, I really appreciate you taking the time out and, um, and uh, you know, giving us a little bit of insight into what it takes to do, our, do a three-hour marathon. Um, six days a week of three months worth of training. Is that is that three month block of training? Was it? It was. Um, I think the plan I did was eighteen weeks, but it was like sixteen hard weeks. Um, the first two weeks were kind of just like dipping your toes in, but yeah, eighteen weeks was the Hanson's marathon method. It's it's a, a brutal amount of time to, <laughs> yeah, to, get, to dedicate to something, and yeah. and uh, you must be really, really proud of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I you bringing me on. <laughs> I, it's been a lot of fun, and I, I love talking about this stuff. Um, obviously, I could talk about it all day. Ah, uh, damn. All right. Well, maybe we'll, we'll have to do an Instagram live or a Facebook live <laughs> or something someday, and uh, dig more into the nitty gritty details, and maybe get some questions from people. But yeah, um, yeah, it's been it's been really fun, and uh, it's it's been really interesting learning about how how you've uh, you know done all of this and how you sort of incorporate that into. Uh, you know, those big working shifts as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so for anyone out there who's doing the same thing, um, you know, it's definitely possible. So in, in, in to, to finish up, where where can people find you? Where uh, do you have any social media? What's the best place to get in contact with you? I guess Instagram would probably be the best. Um, I'm on Facebook, but I just don't really use Facebook so much. But um, my Instagram is um, em. B A L L A ninety one. It's basically my name shortened, Mbala, <laughs> and that's I'm on there. Um, it's not all keto and not all running, so sorry if I just <laughs> it's kind of a mix of everything. <laughs> it's a it's a healthy lifestyle. I like that. That's awesome. Well, so uh, ninety one. I'm guessing that's the year yeah. you were born. It is. That's the year I was born too. Oh, really? That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so not only do we have uh running in common but the same year so we're, we're gonna have to stay in contact and yeah, for sure. uh, I'll, uh, I'll i'll have to s- send you some music recommendations as well yes. because mumford and sons is a, is a big favorite uh, yeah i love them <laughs> <laughs> all right it's been so great chatting to you and uh for everyone out there thank you so much for listening and uh we'll see you in the next episode thanks Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this podcast, make sure you hit subscribe to be notified next week when the podcast arrives. If you could do one small act of kindness for today, I would greatly appreciate a review from you. It's really easy and it allows me to keep making podcasts just like this one every week just for you. Head on over to fatforweightloss.com.au forward slash podcasts for the latest updates and all the show notes. Until next week.